welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, personal trainer, wellness coach, and positive psychology practitioner, Darlene Marshall. And in today's episode, I want to look at a pattern that I've noticed in my clients over the last, I don't know, I've noticed it as long as I've been a trainer, but I definitely have felt probably the last five years, nine out of 10 new clients will come in exhibiting this pattern. And they're doing it because they want to lose weight. They're doing it because they think that losing weight will make them more healthy. And unfortunately, this pattern not only makes people less healthy, it also causes them to gain weight. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you've probably heard me say before that this is a weight neutral show, which means that we're not buying into the idea that just losing weight automatically makes people healthy. That doesn't actually make any sense in terms of our physiology. But I, and I want to be very clear that this is a weight neutral show. And this episode is not about weight loss. But I also want to recognize a few clear facts. According to the most recent Gallup poll data, about 55% of Americans desire to lose weight, to decrease their weight. And at every, any given time, about 25% of the adults in America are actively trying to lose weight. Now, according to Custom Market Insights, in 2023, the market size for the weight loss industry in the United States was $159.7 billion. And by 2030, it is anticipated to reach $305 billion. So it's a big ticket industry that a lot of people are engaging with the idea of decreasing their body weight. So accurate information about what does not work is very valuable to the general public, to us as practitioners, to you as individuals. So when I talk about weight manipulation in this episode, it is specifically to explain to you why the pattern that we're gonna be talking about today, why the thinking pattern, the behavior pattern is actually causing people to be less healthy and to gain weight. And so if they're doing it to lose weight, it's really important that they learn what doesn't work, right? And I also, along the way, as I explain the mechanisms of what's actually going on in the body and the behavior that this pattern exists, it'll help you reinforce the idea that when you listen to and respect your body and you actually understand and accept the physiological realities of what it means to have a body, it's going to reach its own homeostasis, its own equilibrium. And that includes the equilibrium of a healthy weight, whatever that means for your physiology. And I know because the principles this episode is based on are the ones I live by and because I personally used to engage in this particular pattern. And I'm going to be using myself as the example for how this pattern actually works. So let's get to it. Let me take you in the Wayback Machine. Back to when I was a baby trainer, I was first starting in my fitness career. I thought that calories in, calories out actually works. Um, giving away the end here, it doesn't. <laughs> That's not actually how the bodies and metabolism actually work. But anyway, back when I was a baby trainer, first at the beginning of my fitness career in my late 20s, living it up in New York City. And all of a sudden I had all these cool, sexy, interesting, fit friends. 
And what would we do on the weekends? We go out and have a real good time. So at least one night a weekend, Friday, Saturday, maybe both, we'd go out and we would have ourselves a grand old time. I'd be drinking cranberries and vodkas because, of course, that's a low-calorie drink, ha, Yahtzee. Um, but inevitably, I'd stumble home at 1 or 2 in the morning, uh, maybe get some street meat. And for anybody who's never lived in New York City, that is uh, like the food trucks, <laughs> the really cheap halal food trucks that are carving up the meat on top of uh, a bunch of rice and maybe some veggies that weren't very nutritious, a ton of the tzatziki sauce and the spicy sauce. I don't even know the name of that one. Uh, eat some street meat, still intoxicated at like two o'clock in the morning. I want to remind you that I was in my 20s in this story. Uh, pass out till mid-morning, wake up, probably order some kind of breakfast sandwich from the bodega, uh, definitely wouldn't have the energy for a healthy, balanced lunch, and then probably order takeout if I wasn't also going out again that night. Uh, repeat the wake up <laughs> on Sunday morning, uh, and then probably order takeout again on Sunday night, because honestly, like, was I really going to cook after two days of drinking? And then I'd wake up on Monday morning, and I'd tell myself, okay, it's time to be good, soft quotes, be good, and, you know, maybe I'd, I'd skip breakfast or taken in fewer calories or I'd only have a salad for lunch. And so it'd be like, you know, iceberg lettuce and some chicken, some oil and vinegar. And by dinner, of course, I'd be ravenous, but I'm supposed to be being good. Soft quotes being good. So I'd, I'd try to eat clean for dinner. And then Tuesday, I do kind of the same thing again, right? Uh, okay, hard-boiled eggs for breakfast, a salad for lunch. By Tuesday night, I'm super grumpy because I'm real hungry. But calories in, calories out, right? I've got to stick the pattern. And so I'm being good for two or three days. And by the end of that third day, I'm super hangry. I'm probably going to order takeout because I'm, I'm way too tired by that point to cook. But Thursday, I've got to be good again. And then Friday, of course, rolls around and YOLO, got to go back out into the city. And in that way, I'd be indulgent on the weekends, very restrictive at the beginning of the week, soft quotes being good. And because of that restriction, I wouldn't be able to sustain it. And then by the end of the week, I'd feel the need to indulge and also the empowerment like I'd earned it. Because, of course, in the middle of all of that, I was lifting three to four days a week. I was walking on the treadmill. And this is called the binge restrict cycle, where you restrict your calories two, three, four days of the week. And then because of that restriction, or maybe you don't realize it's because of that restriction, you then eat in excess, which the technical label for is, I'm sorry, a binge. And I, when I was stuck in this cycle, I was constantly frustrated with my weight. I was exhausted most of the time. I did not have a good mindset. I did not have a staple mood. I slept real crummy. I was grumpy all the time. My skin didn't look good. I was tired and my weight was going up. And now I can solidly explain to you why that was happening, 
the common mistakes I see in clients in this pattern. And normally when I share that cycle with people during their consult, I see the light up in their eyes when they realize that I know exactly what they've been up to and why they're struggling. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. And today we are looking at the binge restrict cycle, why it is actually to our detriment, why it is if you are trying to manipulate your weight, destroying your outcomes, uh, and also what we can do about it, what might be a more healthful and lasting and positive solution. And my hope is that individuals hearing this learn why it's not helping them, and also that coaches and trainers hearing this learn how they can spot this cycle in their clients and maybe pick up along the way how I handle it with my own clients. So we're going to start with the restrict half of the equation because it actually helps to have a lens on the binge half. So let's start backwards. Let's start with restrict. Now, when we're restricting, I use that phrase, being good, soft quotes, being good, because that's the language that I find the clients that I've worked with, the people that I've consulted with are using when they talk about that behavior. Because we've perpetuated so aggressively this idea of like, eat less and move more, and that's how you get healthy. And if I just eat less, that's going to give me the thing I want. And we label that as being good. Now, to me, it being restrictive, it being an overcorrection is when you're eating at a calorie deficit that is larger than what's actually good and helpful for the body. So slight calorie deficits have been shown to support good health and longevity. But slight calorie deficit means like 200 300 calories. It's not what people think. It's not like, oh, if I restrict 800 calories, I just lose weight faster, right? Um, but no, not in a healthful way, not in a sustainable way. So slight calorie restriction, a few hundred calories. But what I found when I actually sit down with a client, I get them to recall a typical day, I actually run the math, they'll be at significant calorie deficits. I had one client that I did a consult with last year, that his own doctor had put him on a calorie restriction that he was eating less than half of his base metabolic needs. And he had a really physically active job. So he was perfectly in this cycle. Monday to Wednesday, severe restriction, overeat Wednesday or Thursday, and then have a very indulgent Saturday, Sunday, wonder why he was not feeling good, why he was not making progress toward his health goals. Uh, extremely frustrating in that it was recommended by his physician because sometimes even our physicians don't understand caloric need for metabolism. So let's talk about that phrase, metabolic need. Your metabolic need is the amount of energy that your body needs to function well. And we get that through our nutrition. So you eat a certain number of kilocalories, right? We say calories, but it's actually kilocalories. You eat a certain amount of calories. However much of that actually gets absorbed as energy into the body, goes through a certain hormonal and chemical metabolic pathway, and it ends up in your cells. Now, you might remember from high school biology, mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, we call it the powerhouse of the cell because it's where the actual chemical reaction of metabolism happens. 
the breaking and forming of adenosine triphosphate, ATP. The trainers are all nodding. Everyone else is like, whoa. Um, but ATP, the actual unit of energy that you use for every bit that your muscles do in a day happens in the mitochondria inside every cell in your body. So that collectively is your metabolism. And you need a certain baseline of calories in order to keep that whole process functioning well. Now, people assume, well, if I just eat less, then you're going to like rip up my fat stores and use that, right? Um, it's way more nuanced and complicated than that. And so when we under eat, it's not like everything just kicks on like a light switch and suddenly you're just ripping up adipose tissue, which is the medical name for fat and using that for energy. There's all kinds of other hormonal and chemical substrates in the body. So there's a limit to how much you can healthfully use stored energy in the body without causing a problem. And so when we're in this excessive caloric restriction, you're actually damaging the mitochondria in your cells. And maybe if it's just a few days of restriction, it's just a little bit of damage. But you think, okay, I'm going to eat good. I'm going to be good, be healthy. Maybe you're skipping meals entirely. Maybe it's just a big bowl of lettuce with like a sneeze of cheese and sauce on it. But what's actually happening is that underfeeding where you're below your metabolic need and we start to see the impact. So what happens when you severely calorie restrict and you're restricting your food choices. It's the same thing that happens when you overstretch a rubber band, eventually it's gonna break or it's gonna snap back. And that recoil is happening in your behavior. What do we do? We order junk food, we order takeout. We don't have enough energy to cook because you're exhausted. Because your body's going, wait, where's my energy? The engine is starting to sputter. And so for some people, it's going to happen after a couple of days, depending on their metabolic function. For some people, maybe they make it to the weekend. Some people, it's when the goal gets reached. You know, if you know anybody who bodybuilds, after competition season, you often see bodybuilders, you know, they go through their bulking phase. But I know a number of people that that's when the disordered eating comes. Brides do this after weddings. We have a period of restriction. We're able to tolerate it. If we're really motivated, we're able to tolerate it for a long time. But eventually the snapback comes. And now we're going to talk about what happens when we go from severe restriction to little or no restriction at all. And the name for that being to binge. There's some period of restriction. There is a dampening of mitochondrial function a dysregulation of hormones. You also have the effects of stress. It is stressful to the nervous system to be underfed. And that's when you see disruption to sleep, mood, communication, cognition. I saw a recent study that showed that people think that they have a clearer head when they're fasting, but actually they are less creative and productive. They just perceive it as it's better. I thought that was interesting. It's only one study, so I'm waiting for application before I say that it's fact. Well, scientific facts, the whole rabbit hole, we don't have to go on. So not only will you end up eating more, but you end up using less of it 
because of the dampened effect to your mitochondria, the little bit of damage that I mentioned. All right, so the rubber band's gonna recoil, I'm gonna eat more, but less of it's actually usable in the body. So what happens to it? It's weight gain. And often the weight that is gained is more that was lost in that time that your soft coats were being good because some of what was lost was muscle. And then what was regained is fat. And again, it's not a lot. It's not like you immediately gain five pounds, but then you do it again and again and again and again. And all the while you're looking at, but I had four good days. I had five good days, soft quotes, good days. During the week, I'm eating so healthy. Why is my weight going up? Except that the rubber band is getting overstretched and then snapping back on you. So that's the binge restrict cycle. You restrict then you need to eat because your body's natural inclination is toward homeostasis and you're over restricting. And then because the, the greater the restriction, the greater the recoil, eventually it's not that you somehow lack motivation or will. It is that you are hardwired to survive. And so eventually you're going to be so exhausted that you order the takeout. You're going to feel so restricted that you order the burger and fries. It doesn't matter. You're going to need to eat. And then in that indulgence that is hardwired into your neurophysiology, you are going to gain weight. And then you're going to beat yourself up because of the guilt and the shame, the stress of all of that. And then you're going to restrict again. And then it's going to happen again. And we get caught in this cycle. That's why it's called the binge restrict cycle. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. What do we do? How do we correct course from this? Because like I said in the intro, not only have I done this myself, I did this for a long time and it came out of the calorie counting mindset that I had been <laughs> groomed into is the phrase that came to mind. I grew up in a household where everyone was always either counting calories or points. I should say all the women, the men were not doing that. The women were always counting calories or points. And that created the mindset in me that the way I control my weight is through this like crazy math equation that I'm always trying to, was always trying to balance. I don't do this anymore. And that gave me this mindset that if I could just keep the equation balanced, if I could just make up for indulgence with restriction, and I didn't know that I was perpetuating this. And eventually that scale got even more uneven as fasting came into vogue. Because now you're telling me if I just don't eat, I'll be fine. But what I know now is that, okay, you don't eat. That doesn't mean you don't give your body its baseline metabolic need and calories. You do it in a time-restricted window. And so I know a lot of people who are fasting and really what they're doing is perpetuating this binge restrict cycle. So if you want to take a real deep dive into how I do this with clients, into the process that I take them through, you can either listen to the additive nutrition episode of the show, or you can go over to the Substack, betterthanfine.substack.com. Um, there you'll find the show is embedded in the article as well, but it walks you through 
the additive nutrition process I use with my clients, which essentially is based on the premise that the absence of the bad stuff is not the same as the presence of the good, which is a core positive psychology idea. But additive nutrition is, well, what happens if we give our bodies the thing it needs consistently? And if that's the focus, instead of taking away things. So here's the quick gist. If you're not going to go check out the article, but if you need a quick primer, this is what I do. We want to stabilize the cycle. So the first thing I work with clients to do is equalizing their intake over the course of a week. So how could we dial back the intensity of the weekend good times and bring up the floor of under eating to make a steady window of nutrition over the course of their week or their month or their whatever. And one of the ways that I do that is by working with clients to not only check on their metabolic need, are you eating enough at baseline? For that, we use a BMR calculator, basal metabolic rate. Again, if you want all of this as a, like just a quick walkthrough, better than find.substack.com, the article is on additive nutrition. But we use a BMR calculator to get a range of calories. If you're not a calorie counter, if that kind of numbers feel stressful for you, it's not really necessary because most of our bodies have an ingrained BMR calculator called hunger. We think we have been conditioned to think by the dieting industry that in order to be well, we should be hungry. But that doesn't actually make sense. Hunger is a drive. It's one of the ways that we know the body has some unmet need unless there is something medically going on, like metabolic dysfunction. And that's a whole rabbit hole for another episode. But generally, if you're getting baseline enough calories, and one of the ways I do that with clients is by ensuring that they eat consistent meals throughout the day. So even if you're somebody who wants to fast, you want time-restricted eating, that's okay. If you've got a 12-hour feed window, an eight-hour feed window, you know, okay, I'm going to have two meals. I'm going to have three meals. This is what the composition of those meals is going to be. And it's consistent every day with their timing. Maybe a little flexibility on the weekends. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I found with clients is if I can get them to eat consistent meals that meet their physiological needs each day throughout the week, they're less indulgent on the weekends because they don't feel like I was so good this week and now I get to have some fun. That desperation dissolves. And what happens instead is they have like a little bit of indulgence. Maybe they go out to eat. Maybe they have an extra cocktail, but it's not this big blowout like it's their birthday every Saturday. And it's not to demonize indulgence. If that's what you want, go nuts. But I think most of us know that when we eat into excess, when we eat to the point that our stomach hurts or I wake up in the morning and my fingers are like sausages, we know that that increases inflammation. It damages our gut microbiome. It decreases our happiness and well-being. Like it makes us unwell. And I'm going to assume that if you are listening to this show, you care about being well, right? And so to just run that back to you, if the cycle is I restrict and then I overindulge and then I restrict again as punishment and then I do it again, the solution is to break the cycle. And the way we do that 
is by consistently, multiple times a day, each day through the normal week, giving the body the nourishment that it needs to be well. And then you don't have this compulsion to eat things that are calorically dense, that are fat and salt, right? Because those are the things that your body evolved to need in order to survive. And that's millennia old. And we can break that cycle actually relatively quickly and easily by this consistency. Let me end on a quick client anecdote. About three, four months ago, I took in a new client. She was in this cycle, but she'd been calorie counting for so long, she convinced herself that she was eating perfectly four days a week. And once I was able to illustrate this cycle to her, she admitted to me that as part of the weekend binge was also an extreme amount of alcohol. Uh, I, I don't even want to quote how much. In the first week of getting her to just eat consistent meals each day at the specified times, every day of the normal week, she stopped ordering takeout in midweek. And that weekend, she had a third of the alcohol she had had the, the weekends prior. That carried through the holidays. So something as simple as eating consistently lowered her compulsion to overconsume alcohol. And I just want to share that to illustrate that we think of all of these different mechanisms as silos. In actuality, you are a holistic, integrated being. You aren't silos. You're just a person all stitched together. And the way you eat is going to affect the way you drink, is going to affect the way you sleep, is going to affect the way you move, is going to affect your mood and your cognition and your communication and your relationships and everything. Because you are one person, one being. And this is just one pattern, but it's so common and it's so well-intentioned. And it's also pretty easy to correct with the right information. So hopefully this has been useful, helpful information for you. And if it is, I would love to hear from you. You can send your feedback to info at darlene.coach. Thank you to everybody who's recently reached out and told me what the show has meant to you. It fills my heart up every time. I'm on Instagram. It's also darlene.coach. I'm on LinkedIn, Darlene Marshall. Pretty straightforward and easy to find. If you are a fan of the show, I hope that you've subscribed. If you haven't yet, go ahead and do that. Thank you for writing reviews. Thank you for sharing the show. It really does help us to grow. Take good care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.